Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. Anybody remember what we study? Anybody remember? You can't take my stuff. Hallelujah. Turn in the book, turn if you will to the book of Colossians. Colossians, a letter to the church at Colossae by the Apostle Paul. And I'd like to say this, a letter to the church in Galveston. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Praise God. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Everybody say, in Him. Now notice the word walk. Now, one of the things that I begin to think about, many times the Lord will just speak to me a certain phrase that will open up a whole series of teaching. You know, a couple of years ago I did, I think it was 13 weeks on the heart. Anybody remember that? We're going to go back and study some of that next year. But uh, as I begin to study um, along these lines and study uh, from the Word of God, exactly uh, what does it, what if God does give you something? I mean, what if, what, if, what if God gave you a house, or a car, or a wife, or a family? Amen? I mean, you knew it was God. You're like, well, I prayed, that's what I got, glory to God. Amen? And you give Him the glory. Uh, what, what, what if the enemy does try to come get it? What if circumstances or situations in life, a, a, a failure of the economy, a, 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 a plague of disease, Lee and I watched a, it was a great movie, uh, I'd climb the highest mountain. Anybody ever seen that movie? Most people, it's with, with Roy Calhoun and Susan Hayward. Roy Calhoun was mostly uh, uh, was in a lot of old westerns. But in this, Roy Calhoun and Susan Hayward played a pastor and his wife. And they were, it was their first pastoral assignment. And they went to this little town and found all the problems that we all go through of sickness, disease, all this stuff, and, and actually uh, things that would even be more uh, trying uh, to, to raising up a church. I, I believe it would probably be around 1900, 1899, 1900, 1901, 1902, right in there. And uh, uh, one of the real devastating things that happened is they had to close the church down, turn it into a hospital because a plague hit the area and, and, and dozens of people died. People lost their children, people lost their wives. People, and that's horrible. You can imagine how that could affect a community. And they just ministered, they just continued to minister, continued to bless the people. But one of the things that I thought was really cool is there was an atheist and his family in the community. And this atheist and his family, I mean, the, this young pastor and his wife, as they begin to go around in a horse and buggy, begin to meet everybody, as they drove up to this people's house, he, the guy just walked out the door and was just very agitated, irritated. We don't believe that. We don't believe in God. We don't want our, our children to, 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 to believe in, in some God that would do. You could tell that they had prayed some prayer that didn't get answered. Because that's, you know, that's where all bad doctrine comes from. Prayers that don't get answered. People that don't receive what they're believing for. Many times we don't know why that happens. We leave that in the hands of God. But obviously this family was very hurt. But all through this movie, they continued to be nice to them. Uh, to love on them. And at Christmas time, they brought their children all these gifts, piled them up on the porch, and left a, left a letter from Santa Claus. Well, that infuriated 
this man, this, this husband, if you, we don't believe in God, we sure don't believe in Santa Claus. Well, these kids are going to school with everybody else that does. You could see their hearts were, were dejected. But he saw how uh, the, the pastor said to the, to the man on the porch, he said, look how happy your children are. Have you ever seen your children that happy? So he let them keep the gifts. Now about, oh, I guess it would have been in the springtime. Here comes this four or five wagons, all the churches in the wagons, and they're going to the Sunday school picnic. Amen. So as they pass these people's house, the children run out on the porch. They're just, Daddy, can we go? Daddy, can we go? Mama, can we go? And both the parents are like, no, no. So the pastors go up on the porch and talk the parents into taking, allowing the three children to go on the Sunday school picnic. And on the Sunday school picnic, the oldest son drowned and died of the family of the atheist. Now, I know this is just a movie, but I thought it was really good. Amen. And in their grief, I mean, could you imagine what that grief must have been like where the pastor of the church brings your dead child back to your home in a wagon? In their grief, you could see it in the woman for sure. They knew that they did not have any answer to deal with that grief. And the end of the movie, the closing scene, because they had continued to love these people. These people were so angry, so bitter. They just continued to love. At the end of the last scene, their stint in this little town was only three years, and they were moving them to a big church in Atlanta, and all their congregation gathered at the church, about two or three hundred people, and as they were leaving, everybody was, 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 you know, singing their praises, giving them accolades, and who shows up but this atheist family? And they got a smile on their face. And they said this, I'm not going to, this is what he said, I'm not going to accept your God, but I'm going to rethink everything I've ever thought about God because of you two. You say, what do you mean by that? Our lives preach the gospel. The way we treat people, the way we act, who we are, the love, the benevolence that we put out. Listen, that preaches the gospel to people. Now the Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in. Now we're talking about the devil not getting our stuff. And the number one thing you don't want the devil to get is your salvation. Now, Think of yourself, of how you guard your salvation. How you, you know, you come to church. Here you are on Sunday. Many come on Wednesday nights. Uh, you come to all of our special services. You pray, you give, you tithe, you read your Bible, you pray. All of these things you do to protect the salvation that God has given you, which is so precious because through salvation you pass from death into life and from darkness into light. You go from the fallen and cursed human family to the blessed family of God. You're now a child of God. Amen? I'd like to say identification for the believer begins and ends at the cross. You have no past but the cross. That's why myself, for all these years I've been in ministry, 35 years or so, I've always maintained a constant, constant confession of what the Word of God says about me. Not what my wife says. Not what my congregation says. Not what all these other ministers I minister with say. Not with what society says. Not with what anybody else says, but what God says about me. In doing that, I'm protecting my stuff. Amen? Because anything you get from God, Satan's going to go after it. Satan will go after it. Listen, I remember being 13, 14, 15 years old and the things that the adversary began to use against my life. I was a good kid. I went to kids camp. 
I went to children's church. I went to the, uh, what was our, our, our teenage, Cri uh, CAs, Christ ambassadors. I was a Christ ambassador. I was a royal ranger. I was all those things that our, that our, that our denomination afforded a young little Pentecostal boy. But things begin to happen, late 60s, early 70s. A lot of our, our older uh, 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 boys in our church went off to war, went off to Vietnam, came back different, came back changed. Uh, uh, a lot was going on in our nation. A lot was going on in our family. And things began to happen to me that caused me to begin to let go of the precious things that God had given me. Number one, I began to judge God by people. Now let me say that again. I begin to judge God by people. Now listen to this. And I begin to judge God by what I saw other people go through. And when I did not see them receive from God the way I thought I should, I judged God. Every time, listen, every time you judge God on anything, you take a step back from Him. You say, judge God? I would never judge God. People do it all the time. People judge God. People blame God. Uh, people talk about negative things they talk about. But here's the thing. God loves you. God cares for you. You're so important to Him. You're so important. He was willing to come and die for you. Amen. And everything He imparts to us in this life is worth fighting for to keep. Now, the simplicity of salvation. Oh my goodness. If salvation was not simple, I, I could have never been saved. Bible says in the book of Titus... Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. Which means there's nothing we can do to be saved other than receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Say, well, Pastor, I'll tell you, I'll go be a missionary in some country. I'll do good works. I'll give my money. I'll do this. I'll do No work. No work whatsoever on the planet will get you saved. There is not one good work you can perform that will cause you to be right or righteous in the sight of God. Amen? But what you can do is the simplicity of what we call the end of the Roman road. Roman, uh, relating to the book of Romans. Romans 10, 9, and 10, which is the end of several other scriptures which lead you to 10, 9, and 10, which say to do this simple thing. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead and thou shalt be saved. What does that mean? Born again, salvation. That literally means you leave the fallen human family and enter into God's family. People say, well, there, there's just one big family on the earth. There, that's not true. There's two. The erroneous doctrines of Christianity, we've talked about it before. The fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man. Doesn't that sound religious? Doesn't that sound like that's a good thing? The fatherhood of God. The brotherhood of man. God is the father of us all. God, and, and we're all brothers and sisters. The whole human family is brothers and sisters. Now listen to me. According to the word of God and according to the scripture, God is a good God. God is the creator of all mankind, but God is not the father of all mankind. That's a hard pill to swallow if you've been religiously brainwashed. You say, what do you mean by that? God is only the father of those who have believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. 
And in so doing, you enter under the fatherhood of God. He's not just God anymore. He's your heavenly Father. The Bible says, well, our heart cries out, Abba, Father, our Daddy God, which is an enduring term. God wants to be your dad. I said, God wants to be your dad. He wants to be your, your heavenly Father. Amen. My dad's still with us. We love him. He's such a good man. He's been good to us all. We call him El Shaddad. But he's not my heavenly father. I said he's not my heavenly father. Oh, my heavenly father has granted me so much, done so much for had so much mercy on me, had so much compassion on me, and I figured out how did I receive Christ Jesus with the Lord? I received him by believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth. So the continual believing of the heart and the continual confession of the mouth helps you to walk in Christ. Let me say that again. The continual, the continual, the continual believing of your heart and confessing of your mouth helps you walk in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, y'all know we study redemption, we study authority, we study all these, these what we call doctrines of the letters to the church which traditional Christianity does not even study. You take most denominations and they won't even study the letters to the church. They don't like them. They talk about the contradictions of them. You can't explain them. Well, of course you can't. The Bible says the carnal mind is God's enemy. They've got to be discerned by the heart received in the spirit and then you use the power of it to change your mind. That's called renewing the mind. But with everything that God gives us, man, I look back over the 35 years I've been serving God. Lee and I have been married 33 years. How God has blessed us financially, healed our bodies, opened doors, oh my goodness, made ways where there seemed to be no way, brought us to nations all over, just has blessed our lives. We have fought to get what we have, and we fight to keep it. How do you do that? By what we believe in our heart and by what we confess it with our mouth. Amen? Now, now, go if you will. Another scripture here real quick. Go to Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we looked at it. It's anointed by the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God comes on him. Leads him into the wilderness. He fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And who shows up? The devil shows up. And challenges what? the Word of God in his life. If thou be the Son of God. That's why if you're a person that believes in divine healing, every time you have a symptom in your body of pain or discomfort, your adversary will say to you, if you be the healed of God, why do you have this pain? Why do you have this discomfort? If you be healed by the then why are you going through what you go? See, he'll do that with everything. Financially, say, I believe God. He supplies all of my need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I tithe, I offer, I do these things. Then here comes a financial trial, a test. God's not trying you. God's not testing you. The circumstance is. The situation is. Automatically, your mind wants to say, I'm not going to make it. We're not going to have enough. And it's right at Christmas, Christmas time. We can't buy anybody anything. Amen. Well, that's the point in which you must use your heart and your mouth to do what? Walk in Christ Jesus by what you believe in your heart and by what you confess with your mouth. Now, let's, 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 let's chase a little rabbit down a trail for a minute. There's a little meat on a rabbit. Amen? 
there's always going to be the what ifs. Well, Pastor, what if I do it and I'd still have a terrible Christmas? Then glory to God, you're going to have a great new year. What if I have a horrible new year? Then the next year is going to be better. You say, well, Pastor, that's just, the, that's just Christian science. You don't know what Christian science is, you know, mind over matter. How many have heard my Christian science joke? How many have not heard my Christian science joke and would like to hear it? So Christian science is actually a metaphysical cult. If you'll study it, study what it believes. Believes all you have to do is say it. If you say it, you know it's going to come to pass. Well, there was a, a young man and he had a grandfather and they went to the, they have what's called the reading room. They have readers in the reading room. They go and they help you with their, their material. So this, this grandfather would take his son to the Christian science reading room every Saturday. And they would go through the material. They'd study it. And one Saturday, the young man showed up by himself. And they said, where is your grandfather? And he said, well, he's at home, he's sick. And they all said, no, 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 no. He's not sick. He just thinks he's sick. The young man was kind of like, oh, okay. So it was about three weeks later before the young man came back. He came back again, the Christian science reader that welcomed them at the door said, where's your grandfather today? The young man thought for a minute and said, well, he thinks he's dead. Amen. <laughs> so, so it's not a metaphysical mind over matter. Because your words do not have the power. But God has given you some words that have power. Words of life, words of health, words of healing, words of prosperity... Words of deliverance, words of joy, words of peace that you've got to speak over yourself, over your situation. Listen, there's been times when my body was racked with pain and I was lifting my hand saying, Thank you, Father. I believe I receive healing in my body. Amen. 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 There's been times when we didn't have money and I was saying, Thank you, Father, that you bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and out of those spiritual blessings come the provision I need financially. Did you know they came? Not because of the power of the human word, but the power of God's word in my heart and my mouth. It does matter what you say. It does matter how you say it and how you speak it. You can speak life or death into every situation. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, life and death are in what? The power of the tongue. It didn't say anything about the power of life and death. Talk about the power of the tongue. They've proved it. Medical research places, they, 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 they've sent... Five, six, seven, eight people up to somebody and somebody healthy. Say, now let's, let's try this experiment. Somebody be standing there. They're, they're healthy, unbeknownst to them. They're being used as a guinea pig. And they walk up to him and say, you okay? You look a little, look a little flush. You all right? No, I'm fine. feel fine. You sure? I'm sure. About 15, 20 minutes later, send someone else. Hey, you doing okay? You look a little pale. You, you're okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I, I'm okay. But see, automatically, they begin, they begin to question those words. Those words begin to go around in their head. They say it usually takes from three to five, third to fifth person, and physical symptoms will start showing up. Amen? Power of your words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. But you take the creator of the universe, 
the creator of the universe. Not only did He create it, the Bible says in Hebrews, He upholds it, He maintains it, He propels it, and He guides it with His mighty word of power. And in studying the word word in the Bible, you will find out that God draws all His power from His Word. Then what does He do? He says, here's my Word. I know you're down there in a bad place. I know you're on a fallen earth. I know there's a mean devil down there. I know there's all kinds of sickness, disease, and depressions, and, and all kinds of devils want to do all kinds of bad things. But what I'm going to do to help you is I'm going to give you my stuff. Come on, church. I'm going to give you my stuff. Here's my stuff. Then he'll say this. Don't let the devil get your stuff because my stuff is now your stuff. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How do you do that? By what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, now here you say, what point are you trying to make? So, okay, you've believed in your heart. You've confessed with your mouth. You've stood on the word of God and your body is healed. There's no symptoms. The doctor's telling you we don't know what happened. Isn't that a glorious day? Well, you don't just stop. Say, well, praise the Lord. I can just go back to the way I was before. No, no. You continue to confess. You continue to speak. You continue to maintain and guard what God has given you by the continual confession of your mouth and belief of your heart. You don't let your guard down. Remember we talked about the, the security system. That is your confession of God's Word is your security system. Amen? Remember, uh, I don't know if I said this or not when we were answering that question. The dividing line of the gospel, John 10, chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, everybody say the thief, cometh not but for what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have what? Life. That's the word zoe, the life of God. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. So well, I'd like to have that. Well, it's your choice. That's one thing God does not violate is the human choice. You have the right to choose whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, however you want to do it. But then you keep bumping up against laws. Say, well, Pastor, I really prefer to drive 100 miles an hour everywhere I go. So I bought me this hot car with these big wheels and this big motor, and I'll tell you what, I'm, but what will happen to you is you will keep bumping up against laws. Amen? You say, well, Pastor, what I really, I, I choose, this is the way I choose to eat. I'm going to have six Milky Ways for breakfast. For lunch, I'm going to have two malts. And at, at night for supper, every night, I'm going to have two coconut cream pies. It'll work for a while. But you will bump up against a law. Amen? So you will find out that this entire system we live in is regulated by what? By laws. But thank God the Word says the law of the Spirit of life in Christ sets us free from the law of sin and death. You say, how does that work? Well, it gives you enough sense not to eat like that. It gives you enough sense not to drive 100 miles. You say, well, people have sense to do that anyway. But there's other things that people do not have the sense to do. Amen. Now, did you find Hebrews chapter 10? Chapter 10 verse, let me find it here. Verse 36 it says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Everybody say, my confidence. Now, you've got to understand this. You have, no matter who you are in this place right now, when it comes to God, no matter what level 
you know God on, or no, no matter what level you believe God on, you have a confidence about God. Or you wouldn't be in a church on Sunday morning. If you didn't have no confidence about God, you wouldn't go to church. You'd go somewhere else. You say, well, you have no confidence. But you do have some level of confidence. Even if you say, well, I don't even know if I'm saved or born again. It doesn't matter. You still have a level of confidence. And God says this, don't cast it away. Don't cast. Many of you have seen us do this before. When we have a, you know, we'll have a large crowd. We'll give an altar call. And there'll be 10, 12 people standing up here. Then I'll get up and say, now listen, if you did not raise your hand, if you did not come down here to get saved, then don't not come back. Come back and hear the word of God again. Come back and allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. Come back and allow God to do what He needs to do. We had a friend one time, he was six months going to church every service before he got born again. It just took him six months. But he didn't cast his confidence. Everybody say my confidence. That's what you have to guard. You have to guard the confidence you have in Christ. Now notice, cast not away therefore your confidence. Why? Why not? It hath great recompense of reward. <laughs> can I say it in good old Galveston theology terms so you can understand it? Your confidence is going to pay off. I ought to get a better amen than that. Your confidence is going to pay off. Your lack of confidence will not pay off, but your confidence will pay off. You say, what do you mean pay off? Whatever you're believing for. Cast not therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for you have need of what? Patience. It's like the guy prayed one time. God, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> Amen. And we get all confused about patience. Saying, well, I, I don't really want any, you know, all those other love and, and, and all those other things, you know. But patience, the Bible says, you know, you're going to have tribulation. Patience causes... No, no, that's not what the Bible says. Patience is a fruit of the recreated spirit. Patience goes to work in a tribulation to help you endure it, to help you go through it. Listen, quitting God is not your answer. Amen? Staying with it. Guarding your heart. Guarding your confidence. Guarding the word of God that God has imparted unto you. Guarding what God has already manifested and given to you in your life. You've got to guard that. You've got to protect that. For every, from every angle, from every area, the enemy is going to try to raise stuff up to get you into the what ifs and the I don't knows and all the other doubt things that lead to fear. Listen, you can always tell when the enemy's messing with your mind because he imparts doubt. And if you allow doubt to run its course, you'll step into fear. And listen, the Bible says fear has torment. There's a lot of tormented people around these days because they're so fearful. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise. For a little while, and he that shall come will, not, will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back. Everybody say, I'm not a person that will draw back. Now, everybody say, cast my care, not my confidence. 
Now we know 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, this is, let, me, let me bring it to a conclusion. Two things in our lives are labeled with the word cast. One, cast not. Amen. And the other, cast away. Let's say cast away. Now the problem is the enemy wants you to do just the opposite. He wants you to cast away your confidence, amen, and hang on to your care. And if you've ever noticed, care can build up a weight upon you. You get a financial care, you get a physical care, you get this care in your family, your marriage, your job, your, your whatever it is, and the cares start building on you, and next thing you know, you end up what? Oppressed, which leads to being depressed. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Say, not me. not me. I'm just, and I'm going to live by faith. Now, cast not away your confidence. How do you do that? By continually maintaining what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You say, well, that's, that sounds like some re redundant, repetitious, religious practice that has its foundation in dead works. No, it doesn't. It is the changing of your communication to where you learn to quit speaking a language of death and darkness and you start learning to speak a language of light and life. Instead of looking at a sick person and saying, Oh man. Amen? Kind of like dogs. Do you ever see a pack of dogs and one get ran over? They don't all go over and minister to that dog. They all stand on the side of the street going, man, I'm glad that wasn't me. <laughs> Amen. Or, or, or chickens. They're worse. They're worse than anything. I mean, a chicken get a sore or a blemish on it, and all the other chickens will come and peck and peck and peck and peck and peck and peck, 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 peck on that chicken till it's dead. Everybody say, not me. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to allow what I say and what I believe to be salted with the Word of God. When I see sickness and disease, I'm going to say, well, thank God Jesus took stripes on His back. Isaiah 53 says He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, chastised one of our pieces upon Him. By His stripes we were healed. So it is a promise that has already been given. Amen. You say, I'm just trying to get the promise of God. You don't need to. Jesus has already gotten it for you. The promise is given, so it's now a gift to be received. Amen. So we don't cast our confidence. But now when it comes to our cares, <laughs> I love to fish. Summertime, in the, when the water gets clear and the speckled trout get close to the, to the, to the beach, oh Lord, I've, I've caught them fish for over 50-something years. And, and used to, you used to could buy these great big balsa. They called them popping corks. And we used to make these long leaders and we'd put a weight under it. And you could cast that thing. I mean, you could stand on the first sandbar and cast it to the second sandbar. Just, and I was down on the west end and I was catching trout every cast. And I had an old reel that I bought from one of my dad's law partners that had a kink in it. And it, 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 every once in a while, the spool, it was so wore out, it would move a little bit and it'd Cut the line, just like that. And so on, on one of my casts, man, I cast, whew, big old uh, live shrimp on the end of that thing, big old boss of wood. I took it, and right at the end of that cast, that thing spun and cut the line. And that thing sailed about 100 yards. <laughs> and it hit the water, and it bobbed one time, whew, and it was gone. 
And so, years ago studying 1 Peter chapter 5, the Lord spoke to me. He said, remember when you made that cast? And at the end of the line, you cut the line. You never saw that cork again, did you? I said, nope. He said, that's how you need to cast your cares. Because first, what most people do is they will cast a care. Oh, they'll hear a message at church. They'll hear something on the radio. They'll hear something. They'll listen to something on a podcast or something. They'll think, oh, there it is, there it is. But the very next day they start, well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't feel nearly as good as I did. And, and you know, this is what they're saying on the news. And, and I, you know, I just, and all of a sudden that doubt begins to cause you to what? To just reel it right back in. You know, you reel it right back in. It's there again. But you need to cast it and cut the line where you don't reel it back to yourself again. Now, this is where people really get, how can I say this? Frustrated, agitated, uh, all kinds of negative emotions when it comes to people like me. They're like, well, you just really don't care. Now, there are areas I really care about. Amen. I mean, the nations of the world, building the church, seeing people saved, blessed, touched. I, I care so much about that, I give my life to it. But when it comes to the financial care, the physical, aren't you afraid, Pastor? Going out in those marshes and rice fields. You know, you could get bit by something out there that could... Well, no, I can't. You say, Why? Because I carry something with me that keeps me from being bit. You say, oh, the word of God? No, 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> See, the word is not unsensible. Amen. And then if there's anything else out there, we just pray over it. Kenny, where's Kenny? Wave at us, Kenny. He's been with me, hunted with me for 406 years. Amen. Some of you others in here, Brother Ben, some of the other. Every time we've ever set up a place to hunt, is this the truth? We stand and we pray. Job chapter 5. Thank you, Father. You've made us at peace with the animals of the field. Thank you. Nobody's going to get hurt. We're not going to have any accidents. Thank you. What are we doing? As we have therefore so received Christ Jesus the Lord, we're walking in it. Thank you, Father, that our dogs are going to be protected. Our hunters, our guests that come, if they come, let them have a great time. Let our lives inspire them to serve you, Lord. Let us be a blessing to anybody. And we just pray that. We believe it. And you know, we've done it for years and years and years, and we've never had an issue. That doesn't mean we've never killed a snake. We've killed them. I have this identify first. I mean, a shoot first, identify later philosophy when it comes to snakes. <laughs> Especially when it's dark and you're climbing into a wet duck blind. Amen. But they've been few and far between. Very few and far. Uh, could we count them on one hand? Easily. 35, 40 years of hunting together. You say, well, because we, as we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in. You can, listen, you can worry about anything. I said, you can worry about anything. I mean, you can worry about a mosquito bite. You can worry about a tick bite. You can worry, worry about the flu. Worry about this. Worry about that. It'll drive you out of your mind. But if you make a decision, I am not going to cast my confidence because it has a great recompense of reward. But I'm going to cast my cares. How do you do it? The same way. You speak to them. I'm not going to touch this with my thought life anymore. 
I'm not going to worry about this. Devil, get out of my mind. I'm not going to worry about this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm not, not going to let you build a stronghold in my mind because those become phobias. And they got a name for all of them. And those are just strongholds that suppress you. But you make a decision. I'm going to cast the care. And I'm telling you, you can go back into your past and cast cares. You can cast cares about the future. You can cast cares about the present. And you're right now in what I like to call the nasty now and now. You can make a decision. I'm not going to let my language and words solidify the cares of this world in my life. I'm going to cast them, but I am not going to cast my confidence. Therefore, I'm going to have a change of heart and I'm going to have a change of words. So many books written about words. Change your words, change your life. What was, what was uh, the one we used to like? Creative power of the tongue. Brother John Osteen, there's a miracle in your mouth. So much in the Word of God about God made us in His likeness and His image. And God is a creature that not only creates and controls things with His what? With His Word, but He made you in His likeness and image and you are a creature that creates and controls with your words. You don't like your life? Change your words. Want to guard the stuff God's given you? Change your words. Want to keep everything God places in your hand and see it expand and bless and see God do all kind of wonderful things with it? Change your words and don't let the devil get your stuff. Amen? Miss Father, we thank you so much for today, for that what you're doing in our lives and hearts. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for what we received. And we do choose to guard that which you've blessed us with in our lives. Lord, we leave today as is our tradition. We declare your word over Island Church. Lord, we know many families are traveling, coming back to the area. They're flying on the airways. They're driving on the highways. So we declare Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We declare as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we declare we are blessed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you in the righteous labor of our hands, the resource, the job, the business that you've given us. Thank you that we're not subject to trouble, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men, or the devil himself. Thank you that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Thank you as we leave today, outside the four walls of our church, there's a hurting, suffering world that thinks God is mad at them. Thank you that we can go out and be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer a problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you, Father, that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. And that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.